Welcome to Truthfinder. This program searches for crucial answers to critical questions about belief, non-belief, and everything in between. Here is your host, Dr. Elijah Sadafor. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. Thank you for joining me for the last part of Truthfinder Episode 5, where we are searching for an answer to the question, was Charles Darwin and his theory of evolution wrong? Today, I will pull everything together and infer some reasonable conclusions, considering the verdict that evolution is not true. In the last four parts, I provided evidence that evolution is not true. I did this by describing seven distinct reasons that natural selection does not exist. First, looking at Darwin's formulations in Origin of Species, I discussed how natural selection was never properly explained in the first place, and never was an established scientific fact, but a philosophical conjecture. Everything that was subsequently built on this porous foundation was therefore doomed to crumble and fall. Second, I explained all the spurious assumptions that Darwinian evolution by natural selection is predicated upon. Third, I explored how natural selection does not provide a sufficient explanation for life at the molecular level. Fourth, I explained why mutations are insufficient to explain the robust genetic variety that life demands. Fifth, I clarified that adaptive power is internal and an external selection force is unnecessary. Sixth, I clarified that natural selection does not explain the information necessary for life. And seventh, I exposed what the fossil record actually does, provide ample evidence against evolution by natural selection. In all of these reasons, what I accomplished was either to expose natural selection as totally lacking explanatory power or failing to actually elucidate what it claimed to do. Considering all of these reasons as a whole, what I hope I have done is create a logic of implausibility. That is, with the consideration of many different areas of scientific knowledge, the logical and reasonable conclusion is that natural selection is neither a plausible nor an adequate explanation for the diversity of life. Because evolution works by natural selection, and because natural selection is not plausible, the theory of evolution crumbles. So was Darwin wrong? Yes, he was. He was wrong from the very beginning, and evolution is not true because natural selection does not exist. What Darwin's origin of species really amounts to is an imaginative work of science fiction that sadly has cast a dark magic spell on many overzealous minds since the 19th century. Darwin was wrong. Evolution is not true. Natural selection does not exist. These are statements about presupposed scientific truth, but they are undoubtedly highly offensive. Why? Because many individuals have a deep-seated, almost religious conviction when it comes to the godless worldview of scientism. It is crucial to understand that there is a massive difference between science and scientism. Allow me to explain. Science comes from a Latin word meaning knowledge. Science is an opinionless, neutral realm that has no feelings. The New Oxford American Dictionary defines science as, quote, the intellectual and practical activity encompassing the systematic study of the structure and behavior of the physical and natural world through observation and experiment, end quote. 
Scientists will, therefore, identify an idea yet to be tested because they have confidence that it may be true. Through empiricism, they test the idea and strive to prove it wrong in pursuit of a better explanation. Fear cripples science as it preserves existing theories as opposed to trying to discredit them. As with any other field in life, the research and experiments themselves tend to be objective, but science and practice and application can never be objective because it is executed by human beings who are subjective. Pseudoscience calls itself scientific, but only looks for evidence that confirms a theory, and when presented with contradictory evidence, provides secondary theories and explanation to explain the discrepancies away. Pseudoscience does not make predictions because it has no real explanatory power. Cognizant of how science has benefited humanity, we must recognize that science has its limitations. What's interesting is that human civilization has been around for thousands of years, yet the modern concept of science only came into being within the last few hundred years. The point is that human beings managed to excel tremendously despite lacking science. Take, for example, the Egyptians, Persians, Greeks, and Romans. Science can tell you about the chemical bonds that are present in pigments on a canvas, but it cannot tell you if the painting is beautiful. If you want to know whether something is morally right or wrong, then this is not a scientific question. Gravity, for example, has no opinion on the matter. Science cannot confirm logical and mathematical proofs. It only presupposes them to operate. It can't prove metaphysical truths, such as the existence of other conscious minds. And here's the kicker. Science cannot prove itself. Why? Because you would have to use science to do it. True science recognizes its limitations and never tries to deify itself. So, while science points us to what is true, it is not the exclusive way to the truth. It informs us about parts of reality, but not all of reality. Why is that? Because there is a distinct difference between what something is and what something means. So all of what I just described falls under the banner of science. Then there is scientism. And what is scientism? Scientism is science's diabolical second cousin. Scientism is a worldview that says nature is all there is and science is God. Scientism has many other names, like scientific materialism, scientific naturalism, or scientific atheism. The point for our current discussion is this, that many who believe in Darwinism have taken a leap of faith and adopted the worldview of scientism and therefore reject any non-natural explanation of anything. This connection is seamless because if life can presumably be explained without God, then why bother with anything outside of the natural world? In many cases, then, what you end up with are individuals who are zealous disciples of scientism, yet masquerade as mere devout proponents of science. The difference between science and scientism is everything. Consider what the distinguished professor of biology at the University of Massachusetts, Lynn Margulis, has said about neo-Darwinists who take their scientific beliefs very, very seriously. Professor Margulis says that they are, quote, a minor 20th century religious sect with the sprawling religious persuasion of Anglo-Saxon biology, end quote. 
As a worldview, scientism has many deep flaws. The first problem is that it has nothing to do with science and jumps from the realm of truth-seeking to a philosophical assumption. That is, the presupposition all of reality can be explained naturally is nothing more than that, a conjecture, which proves nothing but pretends to explain everything. This is why anything supernatural cannot exist under scientism. According to the assumption, the supernatural is not allowed to exist. Science simply says miracles, for example, are a huge departure from the normal course of events and thus are highly unlikely. With scientism, of course there is no room for God because he can't be reduced to atoms and the laws of physics. The second problem with scientism is that even a cursory analysis of reality reveals how it fails to explain some basic principles. Examples include love, philosophy, law, ethics, and aesthetics. The third problem with scientism follows from a second problem in that scientism detaches you from the things that are most authentically human. The fourth problem is that scientism makes all of reality meaningless. Allow me to explain. If we were to assume that scientism is true, then all of reality could be reduced to natural phenomena. Thus, a person who is a rigid advocate of scientism essentially boils down to being a big bag of DNA whose thoughts, ideas, and worldview at their root equate to impersonal, unconscious forces resulting in the firing of neurons in their brain. This means that a person who is a rigid religious zealot is also a big bag of DNA whose thoughts, ideas, and worldview can be reduced to impersonal, unconscious forces and neurons firing in their brain. Republicans, Democrats, feminists, chauvinists, atheists, pantheists, Jews, and Muslims are all, in their cores, the same thing. This tells us what? that everything is the same, nothing is true, and therefore nothing has any relevance or meaning. Subsequently, in a world where right and wrong have no meaning, and everything is reduced to material odds and ends, nothing can be trusted. Therefore, when people say they believe in scientism, this statement means absolutely nothing, and thus they would, quite frankly, be better off remaining silent. And this is exactly what science does do when it comes to matters that fall outside of science. It is totally and completely silent. The philosopher David Berlinski writes the following in The Devil's Delusion, quote, If science stands opposed to religion, it is not because of anything contained in either the premises or the conclusions of the great scientific theories. They do not mention a word about God. They do not treat of any faith beyond the one that they themselves demand, end quote. Ultimately, scientism artificially restricts science, yet the two are often mixed in contemporary society. A person who believes Darwinian evolution and then practices scientism changes hats and becomes a philosopher by extending the assertions of a scientific theory into social, religious, and political realms. In this regard, faith in evolution becomes zeal, science becomes religion, and the tyranny of pseudoscientific scientism runs rampant. We live in a reality where religious statements belong to the realm of faith and scientific statements belong to the realm of science. And what exactly is wrong with that? 
if it is not okay for a person of faith to bring a Bible into the science lab, then why is it okay for a scientist to bring her microscope into a church, or the political arena, or the social arena? Scientism wants God dead. Science could care less. Scientism says origin explains life by purely natural means. Darwin said God did it, at least in the beginning. Wait, what did I just say? Yes, Darwin himself, the author of Origin of Species and the author of the theory of evolution by natural selection, Charles Darwin, was a creationist. But you don't have to take my word for it. Consider Darwin's own words at the end of Origin of Species. He wrote, quote, There is grandeur in this view of life with its several powers, having been originally breathed by the Creator into a few forms or into one, and that, whilst this planet had gone cycling on, according to the fixed law of gravity, from so simple a beginning, endless forms most beautiful and most wonderful have been and are being evolved. End quote. So, from Charles Darwin's own words, it is reasonable to conclude that he was a deist, someone who believes that God created the universe, but then took a seat and let things be so that creation would continue being governed by natural laws. Additionally, when you read through all of Darwin's postulations and origin, there is nothing inherently incompatible with a deistic creator and evolution by natural selection. Why is that? Because natural selection does not provide an explanation for the genesis of life, only the variety within it. And the point for our current discussion is simple. That scientism would never allow God to create anything, yet even in his own magnum opus, Darwin never thought life would be possible without God. This is the difference between a worldview that is a deviant from science and a scientific hypothesis. In many ways, scientism resembles primitive religions. There is a big unexplored territory, which is the supernatural, and there is an associated irrational fear of that unknown. When the unknown is not allowed to exist, creative exploration crumbles and the full breadth of reality is artificially reduced. Because scientism says that the material world is all that there is and what science describes is all we need to know, there is a unified battle cry where everyone shouts out, Everything that I know is all that is necessary to know. This is the height of vanity and self-centeredness. A humble mind is the key to science as it engages in scientific inquiry, recognizing that it understands far less than it understands. This is the perpetual unexplored unknown that drives true scientists forward. Proud scientism criticizes, mocks, and ridicules all things not like itself and seeks to destroy them. Get the bold and revolutionary new book from Dr. Sadoffel titled Why Evolution is Not True Because Natural Selection Does Not Exist. Go to truthfinder.org and download your free ebook today. Download, read, and share. In the end, evolution by natural selection is a wonderful work of the imagination that merely amounts to a 19th century creation myth that tells the tale of a magical, invisible, and blind force that transformed goo into things that you see at the zoo. 
It is an idea that only has credibility in the imagination, but nowhere else. It is an extraordinary claim that lacks extraordinary evidence. Modern science has validated this assertion and exposed just how unscientific Darwinism really is. Ultimately then, because Darwinian evolution by natural selection is the best scientific explanation for the diversity of life on planet Earth, science has no plausible explanation. This serves as an impetus for science to try harder, and the most reasonable thing that science can do in the interim is remain silent. Indeed, if there was a scientific study that demonstrated positive evidence that natural selection created new kinds of animals or plants from simpler ancestors, I would be happy to take a look, but no such evidence exists. Even when you read books like Jonathan Weiner's The Beak of the Finch, which supposes to confirm Darwin's work and clarify that evolution is happening right now, when you actually look at the data for yourself, what you find is that evolution simply refers to the fact that the size of finches' beaks on a particular island changes from season to season. So in other words, finches remain finches, and finches do not speciate into anything else. So where do we go from here? Well, to episode 6 of Truthfinder. One of the basic foundations of human behavior is the ability to discern between right and wrong, between good and evil. Without this fundamental distinction, society would degenerate into chaos. So, morally speaking, how do we know what is really right and what is really wrong? Is morality objective or is it malleable? Are ethics transcendent or are they the products of human culture? What does right and wrong tell us about God, if anything? Darwin provides no helpful answers because, as described, natural selection is only concerned with survival. It is silent when it comes to morality. As the philosopher Richard Rorty says, quote, The idea that one species of organism is, unlike all the others, oriented not just toward its own increased prosperity, but toward truth, is as un-Darwinian as the idea that every human being has a built-in moral compass, a conscience that swings free of both social history and individual luck. End quote. Science will thus not be the final arbiter of moral truth because impersonal indifferent forces cannot inform interpersonal morality. We'll have to look to logic, philosophy, and a healthy dose of common sense. So onward to Truthfinder Episode 6, which is tentatively titled, What's Right About Right and Wrong? Until next time. Thank you for listening. For more valuable content, including transcripts and research notes, please visit truthfinder.org.